0: Welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. It's Tuesday. It's comedy. We haven't focused on comedy, but we feature a lot of it here on the Good Old Days of Radio Show, and we get great reactions to it, so we're going to kind of load up on comedy for a little while, with an exception here or there, uh, depending on what else we're doing on Thursday. But for now, it's comedy, and uh, we have had selected a bunch of different uh, comedy things. First one is The Fred Allen Show, and I like Fred Allen a lot. He's not well known these days. His humor was quite topical at the time, and so when you listen to this show, if some of the jokes go whizzing over your head, it's because you're not hip on 1943 current events of the day. Uh, <laughs> and if, if, if there's not too much of that in this one, and I don't, remember. But if there's not too much of that in this one, then you can just enjoy Fred Allen's razor-sharp wit, and uh, maybe his political commentary of the day will be not quite so heavy on this one, so you won't get too lost. Or, if you're a student of history, you might follow right along and get every single joke he does. Now, There's a special guest on this particular episode. I was not aware of this particular episode. Um, I did not know that this particular performer did a lot of radio. I know that he appeared on Suspense at least once. I know that he appeared on Inner Sanctum uh, multiple times, but that those programs do not exist that we know of. And he did appear on an episode of Ozzie and Harriet show in 1937, which we played a little bit of once on the good old days of radio show. And in case you haven't guessed yet who it is, you can guess by what I've said so far. It's probably somebody from the horror film genre, and you are correct if you guessed that. We are talking about Bela Lugosi, a.k.a. Dracula, and Mr. Dracula didn't do much radio. But here he is with Fred Allen doing radio comedy. This should be amusing. Again, I have not heard this. This originally aired on CBS, but this is an Armed Forces Radio Service rebroadcast. It may be the only way it exists, although... Many, many, many of the Fred Allen shows are indeed locked up in an archive on the East Coast where they've been since 1950-something when Portland Hoffa donated them there after Fred Allen passed away. So you'd think since 1950-something they would have done something with them and made them available, but no, not yet. We're still waiting after 50, 60, what is it, 70 years now? (laughs) Whatever it is. I, I may be dead before these shows come out. In any case, they do come out from other sources, Armed Forces Radio Service being one, and so we are going to listen to that one today, and you get to hear Bella Lugosi as the special guest. So, from April 25th, 1943, here is the Fred Allen, well, it was called the Texaco Star Theater at this point, but because... It's an Armed Forces radio service rebroadcast. I'll bet they don't mention Texaco. So it's, I don't know what they're going to call it here. It's probably just the Fred Allen show, but here we go. The Texaco Star Theater, a special
1: service rebroadcast of one of America's favorite radio programs for you, fighting men of the United Nations. Portland Hoffa, Jimmy Wellington, Al Goodman and his orchestra, and Fred Allen. Ladies and gentlemen... Uh, what is it? What is this? What is it? Ad-libbing. I see Ladies <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this afternoon, New Yorkers held their traditional Easter parade on Fifth Avenue. Tonight, we bring you a man who was seen at the Easter parade
2: selling gardenias. And here he is, Fred Allen. Thank you. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And, Jimmy, I'd just like to tell you, uh, that same joke is the, was the first joke in Jack Benny's program tonight, <laughs> incidentally. Still but good. I know. Uh, well, from now... <laughs> No, it isn't. It's not really. It wasn't even good on his program, I don't. (laughs) But from now on, fortunately, the program is different from here on in. And Jimmy, I wouldn't talk about the Easter parade if I were you. I saw you in the parade this afternoon. Oh, brother. Well, I looked pretty snappy, didn't I? Oh, Jimmy, you were as sharp as a Ubangi's pout, Jimmy. (laughs) You were the only man in the Easter parade wearing a corsage. Oh, that. Well, I had to wear
1: my flower low, Fred. Your flower low, huh? Yes, a button came off my vest, and I had to plug up the buttonhole, you see.
2: <laughs> you look like something that fell out of a hearse, Jimmy. I hate to say that. Well, you, you weren't so hot with a pork pie hat and that herringbone Inverness. <laughs> How far did you march in the parade, Fred? Well, I started at 57th Street, Jimmy, but when I got down to 42nd Street, a man from Esquire stepped out of a doorway and gave me $10 to get back in the house. (laughs) He knew if I stayed out another hour with that herringbone Inverness with the smelt in the back, (laughs) he knew that Esquire was through.
3: Mr. Allen.
2: Well, Portland... Portland, you're just in time to help us lay an Easter egg, Portland. (laughs) Don't forget, colored eggs tonight, everybody. (laughs) Colored
4: eggs.
2: (laughs) Tell me, uh, Portland, was your mother in the parade today?
4: Yes. Mama wore a victory gown.
2: What is a victory gown?
4: It's last year's dress with two war bonds pinned on it.
2: Last year's dress with two... Let's go over that again. Did (laughs) you hear it? I mean, was (laughs) it... Well, no, let's skip the thing. Well, tell me, did you like the parade this afternoon?
4: It was wonderful. Wonderful! Right in the middle of the parade, 40 mink were marching. 40
2: live mink marching?
4: Yes. When they came to 50th Street, the mink all stopped and spelled out I.J. Fox.
2: <laughs> it must have been quite a sight.
4: There were wax and waves and spars and Lady Marines. Oh,
2: I know that. A lady civilian walked down Fifth Avenue and everybody cheered. It was so... <laughs> Well, so much for Easter, Portland. We'd better get along down to Allen's Alley.
4: What is your question tonight?
2: Well, this past week, newspaper publishers and editors from all over the country met here, convened here in New York City. And with the shortage of paper, they say that the daily newspapers may soon have to drop some of their features. And so our question tonight is, if newspapers have to be cut down in size, which features or pages would you rather see eliminated?
4: Shall we leave?
2: Take my arm,
4: Portland. (laughs)
2: Ah, here we are, back in good old Allen's Alley.
4: John Doe's light is on.
2: Yes, he, he's probably waiting up for us. I'll knock.
4: Oh, does it always
2: have to be you? Uh, tell me, Mister. <laughs> tell me, Mister Doe, if newspapers are cut down, which feature do you think should go? The news section can go. Everybody knows the news. Rummel is still on the lamp. True, true, true. The help wanted ads can go. Everybody's waking. Right, The travel section can go. Nobody's going no place unless they're in the army. That's right, too. The sports section can go. It's the same story every day. The Dodgers is beating the Giants. Uh, (laughs) Even with the dead ball, they're doing it. uh, Well, that eliminates the whole paper, Mr. Dillon. All but the obituary column. Well, what about... The obituary column can also go. If you're dead, nobody cares but you, and you can't read it. Come on. Well, now, that, uh, now that John Doe has eliminated uh, completely the Fourth Estate, let's see how the lady next door feels about it. No. Uh, uh, Mrs. Nussbaum, what part of your newspaper would you suggest eliminating?
5: Prudence Pinkus could go.
2: Cru- you mean the cooking expert who has her daily recipes in the paper?
5: That schnook could cook. I'm laughing.
2: Well, what's, what's wrong with Prudence Pinkus?
5: Last week in Prudence Pinkus' column is a recipe.
2: A recipe. A recipe, I see.
5: It is a watermelon upside-down cake. Uh,
2: a watermelon upside-down cake?
5: I am following directions, from four eggs, I'm taking only the yokels. Yes. Yes. yes? One cup of your marjorie. Yes? One watermelon should be ripe. Right.
2: This is essential.
5: To this, I'm adding baking powder and extracts, all kinds. Yes? I am beating to Fluffy. Uh-huh. Putting in the oven two hours.
2: And you had a watermelon upside-down cake?
5: What I am having could be for Radio City a cornerstone.
2: <laughs> it, uh, it was heavy.
5: The cake is falling off the table and killing the cat a little Prudence <laughs> pink is free.
2: Well, what, uh, what went wrong?
5: The recipe is saying, put in one cup melted lead.
2: Melted lead? <laughs> well, that was a misprint. It must have meant melted lard. Did the lead in the cake bother you any?
5: Bother, he says. For two days, I've been
3: hiccuping bullets. Pardon me. Thank you.
2: Well, Mrs. Nussbaum has shot off her mouth. <laughs> let's, see, uh, let's see how Mr. Mulligan will react. Socrates, which feature in your newspaper can you dispense with? Uh, you can have the whole paper Just give me Joe Palooka You're a Joe Palooka fan, hey? Uh, when I was a little kid, I first said Joe Palooka Yeah? Uh, then I took an oath An oath to what? The, the other kids was taking an oath to grow up
6: like George Washington Or singing Sam...
2: But, uh... But you? Uh, I took a note to be like Joe Palooka. And as you grew up... All true life, I dressed like Joe Palooka. I talked like Joe Palooka. I see. If Joe Palooka was happy, I was happy. If Joe Palooka was sad, I was sad. Well, after emulating your idol all these years, what has it gotten you? Oh, today, thanks to Joe
6: Palooka... I got me a reputation Really? Uh, every time I walk down a street Yes the People say There goes that palooka
2: <laughs> Well again we come to the end of the alley Let's try here
1: Easter is Easter Wester is Wester Falstaff's here to break up your siesta
3: <laughs>
2: You have some, uh, someone's whistling. Evidently lost a dog in here. Let's... Uh, you have some, uh, some... Maybe a dog is whistling for somebody. You have some, uh, you have some seasonal poems tonight, Troubadour, Open Shore. Uh, Crambo or two. A Crambo or yes. two.
1: Yes, have you heard, I left my hat at the stage door canteen when they caught me tilting the pinball machine?
2: <laughs> no,
1: I don't think so. Or, uh, when they looked me up in Brad Street. I knew that I was done.
3: Uh.
2: (laughs) This is immaterial, irrelevant, and beside the point in your ration book, Falstaff. Tonight, we are discussing cutting down newspapers. Precisely why I am here. I have written a poem. What is your newspaper poem called? It
1: has no title. Oh, it hasn't? How does it go? Everyone reads a paper, has a totally different view. The section that absorbs one man won't mean a thing to you. The banker wants only the market reports. A kid will cry for Buck Rogers. The debutant reads the society news. A ball fan wants news of the Dodgers. The armchair general wants word of the war. A horse player results from all tracks. The undertaker gloats or the obituary page. The housewife wants ads about slacks. But give me a newspaper just as it is after it's been read by the bunch. One page is the same as another to me. I just use it to wrap up my lunch. (laughs)
3: Floor. couldn't bear it without you, don't get around much anymore, all oh, I'd visit the club, got as far as the door, they'd have asked me about you, don't get around much anymore, coming again. I guess all wiser of memories Been invited on days Might have gone but what for Awfully different without you Don't get around much anymore I don't get around much about you, baby There's something different About you, baby Don't get around much Anymore
2: And now, uh Oh, is this, uh, This magazine for me, Portland?
4: Yes copy of Newsweek in case you want to make up some jokes.
2: Oh, topical jokes. That's a good idea. What's in the news this week?
4: Well, President Roosevelt just finished a trip to Mexico. I know.
2: You know, the the day the president left, 200 people tried to break into the White House.
4: Why? Well, word
2: got around that there was an empty room in Washington. (laughs) Tell me, what else is in the news?
4: Last Tuesday was Hitler's birthday. Oh,
2: I saw that. The Russians sent Hitler a birthday card. It was a picture of Germany, and on it it said, Many happy returns. <laughs> Is there any, uh, Don't bother
4: <laughs> Is there any other news? Well, isn't it time for our guests?
2: Well, we haven't any guests tonight, Portland. I didn't, uh... I haven't had time to look for a guest all week. I've been busy packing up to move. I'm as tired as an air raid warden in Berlin.
4: Have you... Found- <laughs> now,
2: wait a minute, wait. We go 20 minutes without a laugh, and when
4: one <laughs> Found a new place to live?
2: Well, I went over to a real estate agent on 6th Avenue. The sign said, Analyk, Brothers, Real Estate Ventures. I opened the door. A man in a long alpaca coat who was sitting on a camp stool got up and said... Yes, sir? What's on your mind? Well, my name is Alan. I'm, uh, I'm looking for an apartment. Apartments are scarce, brother. I only have a one-room suite. It's $400 a month. $400 for one room? Not the whole room. <laughs>
6: There are three other
2: families living in the room <laughs> But they're all lovely people Well, wait a Dad, minute Excuse me, Mr. Renley. Are you back? Yeah, my wife and I have decided to take that one room with the closet Oh, good uh, The
6: price?
5: Oh, uh, you said we could have it for $850 a month If we didn't go
2: in the closet <laughs> If I catch you in the closet, it's $950 a month You won't go in the closet? Uh, I'll take a note and, and before
6: you sign this lease, one more thing.
3: Yeah?
6: Have you any children?
3: Well, I... Uh...
2: Come clean, you! Uh, we have a little baby. A baby? And you want an apartment? Yeah. You dirty rat! Take that! Hand no. that! the knife of that guy. <laughs> trying to rent an apartment with a baby. I'm so mad I could spit. Tui. Oh, now, wait a minute. <laughs> Mr. What about my apartment, Mr. Annalick? Well, we're having some fire escapes (laughs) upholstered. But uh, they won't be ready till the paint dries. Oh, wait a minute. A guy came in a minute ago. He wants to rent his house. Come over here, bud. Mr. Allen, meet Baila Nagosi. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Mr. Lugosi, I'm Fred Allen. I guess my face looks familiar, doesn't it? Yes, you look like
6: something that fell out of a closet
2: the night I was on Inner Sanctum. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew you'd remember me. You know, the last time I saw you here in New York, you were a big hit in that play Dracula. Yes, Fred. That was back in 1927. I've been in Hollywood ever since. Well, how come you're back from Hollywood now? Did they catch you uh, shoplifting in a blood bank out there?
6: No, I'm here to do a revival of Dracula.
2: I just finished Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman for Universal. Another musical, hey? (laughs) How did, tell me, how does it feel? You fellas in the horror business, how does it feel to go into a theater and hear people hissing you uh, on the screen? Hissing to an actor who plays monsters is applause. Well, I guess that's right. They say that one night, uh, Boris Karloff was in the Star club, a radiator started hissing, and Karloff got up and took four bows.
3: <laughs>
6: yes, yes. When people stop
2: hissing Karloff and me, we'll be through. Oh, yes. And when people start hissing me, I'll be through. <laughs> and it could happen tonight, Mr. Lagarde. <laughs> Thank, to Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.
6: With your face, Fred, you can always go into the monster business.
2: Well, that's fine. I'll know where to scare up a job from now on. Well, tell me, Mr. Lugosi,
6: Lugosi, how long will you be in New York? I'm leaving next week to open my play Dracula in
2: Boston. Uh I came to this real estate office to sublease my house. Well, I'm looking for a place, Mr. Lugosi. Now, perhaps we can make a deal. May I see your house? Sure. Here is the address. Drop up this afternoon. Fine.
6: Uh, if I am not
2: home... I thought you'd left for home. Well, <laughs> so anyhow, if I am not home,
6: <laughs> go in and look around, Fred. Here's the key. I'll see you later. So long. Well, after
2: Mr. Lugosi... After Mr. Lugosi had gone, Portland... Yes? I looked at the key to his house. It was a skeleton key.
4: Gosh, what did you do? Well, late
2: that afternoon, I started out for Lugosi's place. It was just getting dark. The wind was blowing. A storm was coming up. talking about an hour, I finally found Lugosi's house. Oh, it was a dismal-looking joint on a side street. I walked up the rickety steps, and as I started to put the key in the lock, the front door opened slowly. I walked in, and the door creaked closed. And then a woman's voice said,
3: Ah! How do you do? <laughs>
2: Well, how do you do, uh, Mrs. Lugosi?
5: I'm not Mrs. Lugosi.
2: No, who are you?
5: I'm the sister
2: of Frankenstein. Come in, brother. I, uh, well, I just came to see about renting this house. This house is evil,
5: evil. Go
2: while you still have time. But Mr. Lugosi... Mr.
5: Lugosi is a fiend. Go, I tell you, go while you still have time.
2: <laughs> hey, she'd better lay off the Benzedrine that way. <laughs> Gosh, it's gloomy in here. What's this? Gad, a human head rolling down the hall. What's up, chum? Who's that? Who's talking? It's me, down here, the head. Who are you, head? I used to be a friend of Lagosi's. What became of your body? I had a corn on one foot. Lugosi told me he was a chiropodist. Yes? He started cutting off my corn, I fell asleep. Yes. I could feel Lagosi cutting cutting? Yes. When I woke up, my corn was gone, Lugosi was gone, I was gone. You were gone? All but my head. Gad, Lugosi must be mad. Lugosi's mad? How do you think I feel? I know, I know. Well, chum, I gotta get along. Stop me rolling, will you? In what direction? Which way is we the people? Uh, It's over this way. I'll give you a head start. Here we go. Gad, this place is spooky Ooh. Ooh. Who are you?
5: I am a lady ghost I'm releasing a man ghost For essential haunting <laughs> Whose
2: who's ghost are you?
5: I'm the ghost of Joe Besser
2: Joe Besser?
5: Yes I came here to spook for Joe <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm getting out of here. Ah, oh, here's a door. No, it's a closet. Somebody's in here. Who is it? <laughs> Lugosi. Yes. Lugosi. Gosh, for a minute I was scared, Bella. What are you doing in this closet? I was just
6: hanging something up.
2: oh, oh, oh. you mean well Baylor old man i'll be running along but fred you haven't seen my house yet no but i uh... here let me take you by the hand oh gad your hand is clammy it's like holding five eels with hangnails you'll get used to it come i'll show
6: you my heating system what was that shriek nothing it came from the furnace the
3: furnace
2: yes I used to burn oil, but I converted to people. Oh, <laughs> now look, Bella. I've got to get back to the Union League Club. I have a chess game waiting, and something tells me it's my move. But you haven't seen my charming little home yet.
6: Hello, Mr. Legosi.
2: Hello. Say, I didn't see anybody. Who was that? Oh, the invisible man. He's just stepping into the library. <laughs> Out! What was that, the invisible man? Yes, she got his ectoplasm caught in the door. Now look, look, Beller, I don't think I'll bother about the house. I'll move into the Y, I'm a member there. It won't take a minute, Fred. I'll show you. Wait a minute. What is that?
6: It's only the telephone. Mrs. Frankenstein will answer it. I have some dirty
2: work to do. Now wait a minute, Lugosi, where are you taking me? Let go of my arm. We quite, you fool. I knew it. You didn't get me here to rent this house, Lugosi. You lured me here to kill me.
6: You will soon find out, Fred Allen. <laughs> help, save me, save me. Help, help, help. You see, Fred Allen, I'm all powerful. I'm all knowing.
2: And now, into the laboratory. Tiago, Panto. Yes, master. No, no, put me down. I'll give you my money, my yo-yo. Bring <laughs> him to that table No, yes, master. no, you mad, Lugosi Mad, what are you going to do?
6: I'll tell you what I'm going to do I have been luring people to my house To complete my greatest horror masterpiece I'm making a monster Greater than Frankenstein A monster? Yes, I'm building a radio monster I will use the brain of Red Skelton Yes <laughs> The body of skinny Ennis. <laughs> and the singing voice of Georgie Yassel.
2: Well, what do you want? What do you want of me?
6: I have heard your program. My monster needs a lot of nerve. <laughs> you have more nerve than anyone <laughs> You're mad.
2: You're mad, Lugosi. Enough. Mad,
6: I guess. Enough dog. I shall now operate. And remove your nerve
2: everything is ready master
6: anesthetic anesthetic scalpel
2: scalpel forceps forceps
6: anything with a point anything with a point (laughs) now one little snip and then someone's at the door help 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 well you fool (laughs) nobody can save you no power on earth can stop me mr bain and no
1: not you no no. Yes, I have come
2: for you, Bela Lugosi. Oh no! no. <laughs> Gad, Lugosi's fainted. I'm saved. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's all Thank right. You. That's
1: all right. Stop licking my hand.
2: But you, you frightened Lugosi. Who are you? I'm
1: chairman of his draft board. <laughs> Show was rebroadcast for you men and women in the Armed Forces of the United Nations by the Special Service Division of the War Department of the United States of America <laughs>
0: Lots of filler music on that, and the reason for that, which I've explained before, but if you're just hearing about this for the first time, this is an Armed Forces Radio Service rebroadcast of a network show, and what they would do is they would record the network show, see, they were recorded, uh, and then they would edit the commercials out and any references to the sponsor's product. I was amazed that they left the word Texaco in at the beginning, so... Texaco did get a little plug, but once they eliminate all those commercial minutes, they have to fill them with something. And so they bring out this kind of uh, filler, big band type music to do it on very, almost every time. I mean, (laughs) that's how they fill them. Anyway, um, okay, interesting program there. Newspapers being cut down to size. Well, there's that problem today, too. During World War II, it was because of the lack of uh, paper, Uh, Now there's no necessarily, there's not a paper shortage. There's a shortage of people who actually read things uh, other than their phone. So newspapers are kind of being cut down and going away because people don't read them. They look at their phones. Anyway, no, no, no more further social commentary, just that observation. There's a reference in there to the ghost of Joe Besser, I think that refers to Joe Besser, who later went on to become a member of the Three Stooges in the late 50s. I'm not sure what he was doing in 1943, but I can't imagine how they pulled the name Joe Besser out of the hat and then had the kind of woo-woo-woo thing, which he did sort of similar to Curly right afterwards. So it had to be a reference to Joe Besser, but I don't know what he was doing at this point. This is 1943, and as Lugosi mentioned, he had just finished playing uh, in the movie Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, which, if you don't know that one, Bela Lugosi plays Frankenstein, the monster, in that particular film. He's not especially good at it. The issue with that particular film is that when it was completed and screened for audiences, in the film, as it was presented first... Bela Lugosi talks as the Frankenstein monster. And it was getting laughs in the theater because he's got this Bela Lugosi voice, this Hungarian voice, and it's coming out of the Frankenstein monster's character. And so they, the first audiences that saw it uh, laughed, and the executives were horrified and they thought, well, we got to fix this. So they went in and cut. A whole bunch out of it and they in essence left the film to where when you watch it now you're trying to wonder what's what's going on here why is he stumbling around why is he acting like he's drunk uh and you you don't know this but the real reality of it is they cut the dialogue that explains that the monster is blind and so <laughs> there's all this weird stuff going on. And actually, if you watch the film very closely, you can see in a couple scenes where he's talking to Lon Chaney, uh, you can see his mouth move, but nothing come out of it. Uh, it's quite interesting to watch. Um, the film still is quite good. Overall, it actually has what has been called, and I agree with them, the very best Opening scene of any universal horror film ever it takes place in a graveyard, and that's about all I want to say. But if you haven't seen that, even if you don't want to watch the whole movie, go watch the first ten minutes or so, and you'll see what I mean. It's just an astounding, astounding scene, and they they basically top anything they had ever done before in that scene. Um, okay, I think that's it for my commentary. Oh, one more thing: uh, by this point in his career, yes. Bela Lugosi was playing the Frankenstein monster, but because the film has these these weird elements to it, it didn't do as well as the previous Frankenstein films, and Lugosi was kind of languishing around doing various bit parts in movies and whatever, and as he said himself on this show... Uh, going up to the East Coast somewhere, Massachusetts or whatever, to perform the play Dracula. He couldn't shake that character. No matter how hard he may have wanted to do more serious acting, more dramatic acting, more something, he couldn't shake the role of Dracula. And it's the only thing at this point that was putting any kind of major food on his table. So he continued to perform Dracula all over the place reviving it on screen in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein for the last time, but uh, this is 1943, so it's before that. Um, And all of this turmoil with his career resulted in him getting uh, very depressed and eventually addicted to heroin, and it became a real mess, and he kind of died in poverty and sadness in 1955 or so, I think, 55, 56. Anyway, there's your history of Bela Lugosi and... uh, The Fred Allen show, uh, interesting that he appeared on this. And I noticed that he did reference his appearance on Inner Sanctum recently. As I said, he appeared on several episodes of Inner Sanctum, but as far as I know, they don't exist. So, if they do, where are they? Find them. Okay, this is John Tefteller in the Good Old Days of Radio Show. Tune in on Thursday for what are we doing Thursdays? We're doing, um, hmm, wait a minute here. What are we doing Escape. Thursday? We're doing Escape with Keith Scott. And it's an episode uh, starring William Conrad, which leads me to tell you that next Tuesday we will not be doing comedy, even though I made this whole thing about how much comedy we're going to (laughs) do. We're going to take a little quick break from comedy and feature an episode of Gunsmoke, which also features William Conrad. So it's going to be kind of a, a William Conrad mini festival here. So, until next week, uh, and until Thursday, this is John Tefteller and the Good Old Days of Radio Show. Goodbye.